Welcome to the Rookie Investor Podcast is the wrong name of the podcast. Jeez, that's hard. I'm going to leave that in, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go again. Welcome to the Cheeky Investor Podcast. This week, among all the market chaos, Gareth and I are going to be talking about how to fish in a high tide with a pointy stick. Um, We've ditched the stocks. It's gone down to survival mode now. Uh, Gareth, any hunting tips? I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about this. So I've learned you can drink your own urine, for starters. If that isn't exciting, I don't know what is. Um, I've also (laughs) learned you can actually live on moss, if you'd believe it. Huge amount of protein in moss. So, mate, we're we're safe as houses, me and you. Uh, The only thing I worry about is we're not going to be able to charge our laptops when we're out out in the bush. So I'm not sure how we're going to do that. Maybe we're going to have to build a rechargeable thingy-majiggy or something. I don't know. Besides that, I think we're safe as houses, man. We'll eat moss. We'll drink our own piss. Happy days. I can live in the dream. <laughs> it feels uh, a bit. It feels a bit like that, though. In all seriousness, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's just so wild, unpredictable, scary, dystopic, whatever term you want to you know use. It, it, I think it, the best word um, like... comes to mind for me is quick. It is yeah. lightning quick. Like I was looking at the GFC stats earlier and um, it took two years from, from highs to the lowest. I mean, we're about three weeks in and we're down 30%. Yeah, that's... Is that, is, that, is that unprecedented? I mean, maybe Black Saturday um, in 89 it was, I think. <laughs> is that right? Was that's it? up there with... Uh, where did you, what did you call Warren Buffett? Oh, the... Uh, the Omaha, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Omaha, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> He's just making up dates. 1987. Um, 1987. There we go. Black Saturday. Yeah, okay. Black, Black Monday. It's not Saturday. No markets are open Saturday. Oh. Well. Oh. oh, that's a shame. That's, I've always called it Black Saturday. All right. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, <laughs> the bushfires so- here. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Let's yeah. Well, that's yeah. Uh, so, where are we then in terms of crashes? Um, I mean, you've got the the Great Depression, uh, that must have been pretty significant. But again, was it as quick as this? That's the, the speed thing has certainly taken a lot of people by surprise, uh, including us. No one, no one could have predicted that, and really, no one can predict what's going to go on. But the odd thing for me, Phil, is um, we still have the same level of employment we still have to date. We're not getting any figures out and I'm sure they'll change, but um, we still have all of that underlying sort of economic model that's operating. So it's not a, that for me is the really odd thing. You know, this is driven by a completely different thing. It's driven by coronavirus of which there's 300 and, sorry, 450 odd cases in Australia, which is, you know, compared to the population, it's a tiny number of people. That's what I'm getting at is, we don't seem to have that direct impact of something happens in the economy that triggers this. This is a completely left field event that's causing chaos in the market. Is that odd? And, and that's right. It's a good comparison. You look at, um, you know, particularly the recession, um, the, the GFC and the depression that was kind of financially based, you know, it was a financial institutions kind of come, you know, from, from bottom up type of approach. This is forced upon the economy, forced upon um, finance companies. So it is very unique in that sense that, yeah, it wasn't triggered by a finance um, kind of system. No. So 
really, you know, if if what we're saying now is redundant in 24 hours' time, there's a reason for that. This isn't following any model. This is completely new ground. There's never been an event that I'm aware of. I mean, the Spanish flu is obviously the last major uh, pandemic sort of, you know, of this scale. I mean, I know there's been SARS and other things, but they didn't seem to have a huge impact on the market, strangely, yet this has. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe the Spanish flu had an impact on the markets in the same way, but I can't think of anything up until now that has had that impact. Like I said, my, uh, MERS and SARS are the two sort of big events, but the market didn't really jitter a huge amount when, when they all came about. Yeah, I'm just having a look at sort of that dot-com bubble to give us a comparison. Um, what have we got? 24th of June 2001 to 16th of September 2001. So that, that was three months. That was pretty quick from top to bottom. Yeah, okay. But that was the, but that was the dot-com bubble, which had a, it was directly linked to the economy. Yeah, um, yeah, in terms you know, in, in a way that, yeah, this is a a disease that's, yeah, for some reason triggered this. It's uh, it's wild um, and it's, you know, all we can do is set up our systems, I suppose. And part of today, which we'll start to get into now, is to talk about opportunity because obviously this brings opportunity. We keep on saying that, you know, volatility brings opportunity. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's very true. Uh, so particularly the sector we're going to talk about, which – yeah, you really feel for anyone that's operating a travel business. You know, to be honest, we were speaking earlier today, weren't we, Phil? And you were speaking about the work you're in and, and how you've got connections with people who are in the tourism industry. And, man, I feel for them, people up in the Northern Territory, you know, people in Queensland, people all over Australia, all over the world in tourism, they are just getting absolutely smashed. So I suppose the first thing is, if we're talking about the tourism industry and opportunity, let's start with, with the current state of play as much as we can we can figure it out. Where are we in yeah. Australia? So Qantas, 90% reduction in international flights, I think. Yeah, um, and uh, I don't know if that'll turn to 100% soon, but um, yeah, 90% on yeah. mass. Um, I think Virgin, um, well, they usually follow suit. If not, they've already um, announced that. Um, everyone's been told to, to go back to Australia if you're overseas at the moment. Yep, yep. borders um, will be shutting, or that's the, the rumour. Sorry, we don't know. Uh, yeah, as of the recording of this, six months time frame seems to be the six month time frame. Yep, um, I believe that's sort of ballpark figure for everything. So, um, yeah, cruise lines, no cruising, cruise lines, yeah, booking dot com, all those providers, the the everything from the mom and pop, you know, fishing charter up to um, Hilton Hotel. Empire, all of it is not just struggling, but I mean, you're saying you're talking about six months. That's right. I mean, uh, Qantas have said indefinitely, so they've put this this on indefinitely. Um, Virgin, uh, as you say, will probably follow suit. Um, people are looking at their their booking list, going, "We don't have anybody booking," because of course, this is the thing. Where we're at now is that uncertainty phase. So until we um, either begin to see a, a pattern that we can correlate to uh, a reduction in the infection rate, or we see a, um, uh, an antidote, which you probably think the two have to go together. I think we're going to be in this holding pattern phase. And because of that, yeah, who the hell would ever book a holiday at the moment? You know, it's just, it's just not viable. So 
you know, we, we may have up to a year of this. Who knows? I mean, they're talking about an antidote being 12 to 18 months away um, at the quickest. So you sort of think, geez, yeah, yeah how, how do you manage that? Are we talking, Phil, are we talking state? the state comes in and takes over some of these main tourism industries because tourism is so valuable to the Australian economy? Like, where do you think it's going to sort of play out? Yeah. Yeah, the first question, like when we're investing in a time like this is, uh, will this company be around in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, because we're talking about the travel tourism space at the moment, um, it, it's hard to say for those smaller ones, um, even kind of your mid-range um, sort of companies. Uh, Qantas will come out. Um, government in the past has backed Qantas with stimulus packages. Yeah. Um, they sort of announced that, I think, yesterday uh, to the tune of about 700 mil for airlines. Um, but there, I think there'll be more. Um, and in this type of situation, you want to go with big market leaders. Um, yeah. You don't want to be playing around in the small to mid caps. Um, you want to be, or oh, even though Qantas falls in that, but you want to be hitting that market leader yep. um, in those areas. Yeah. Oh. Completely. Uh, to me, you look at what, what what is required. Qantas is a national carrier. It's required. Every country, I mean, Australia needs a national carrier. It's an island nation. Uh, the, there's no way they would allow Qantas to not be operating. So, you know, in effect, the government would take control of Qantas if they had to, I suspect. They'd renationalize. And I bet you'll start to see that because you had a slew of national air carriers Um which were nationalized sort of the beginning of the 2000s, end of the 90s. You had a sort of a range of, of carriers that went that way um, because actually I think a lot of it was down, down to state aid rules, uh, particularly in Europe, and the state aid rules changed. And so state governments couldn't prop up airlines, um, even though Italy still managed to prop up Alitalia, which always surprised me. But anyway, that's Italy. They always seem to get away at whatever they want to do. But uh, mafia involved. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so to me, you're right. You look at those sort of the the leaders. So I suppose on that basis, um, what are we talking about here? You'd probably say, I mean, Virgin and um, Qantas would be two of the leaders in the pack in terms of international flying. What sort of regional carriers are out there, Phil? Is there a nationalised regional carrier in Australia? Uh, not that I know of. I think they have Qantas Link. Uh, which is again Qantas owned. Um, mm. They have Rex Regional Express Airlines. Um, I don't know if that's a separate business or if that's um, Qantas owned, but I think I was in trouble before. Um, I think it was as well. I, I actually, yeah, I, I believe I just was talking to my wife here, who's from Orange, where Rex does operate. I believe that is actually now heavily subsidised, um, or or at least sorry, certain routes are heavily subsidised. So that that is kind oh, of quasi. Sorry, just had a look now. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's on the stock market. Um, market cap of 78 mil, if anyone's looking to buy it out completely. Um, wow. <laughs> so very much a small, small Phil, let's buy an airline. <laughs> it's, um, can you fly? No, nah, we'll own the airline. You don't even have to fly. Ah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like a, we employ others. We employ others, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so re- yeah, that, those type of things like, that would never be on my radar. In fact, I'd I'd really only be looking at your Qantas's, um, your Carnival Cruise, which is we'll cover in a minute. That's taking a hammer, hammering. Um, Air New Zealand, um, another big yep. company, but yep. outside of that, I, I wouldn't be. Yeah, 
in the local stocks. Yeah, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm obviously aware of what's happening here, but I'm not as aware. I assume the US, uh, American Airlines, um, you know, is in, is in a similar situation. I'm assuming BA, Lufthansa, uh, uh, all the, 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 the various European carriers are, are also in a similar way. So I suppose, yeah, if you take the market leader in each country, um, what you'll find is certainly all of those stocks, because it's across the board, obviously, uh, all those stocks have gone down. If you look at, I suspect, Singapore, you find the same thing. Um, Etihad, you know, all the names you know, like we've always said, you know, go for things you know. And uh, I'm sure you could list, list off a reel of, um, of, of airlines that are that sort of top bracket, that top 10 airlines. And there's probably opportunity in, in all of them, really. I mean, the reality of this is, Travel isn't going to stop because of this, in my view. Um, I mean, this is a blip, and it'll, it'll, you know, in, in the longer term, say a five-year period, um, we'll be back up and running. And, you know, travel is is absolutely intrinsic to human life now. You know, we've we gone to the days where travel is a luxury. It's, it's almost a necessity for a lot of people because it's working. I mean, you fly all over the country with your job, Phil, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of beast. So, yeah, for me, a huge opportunity in that. Um, the other one you mentioned, uh, cruise liners, which are an interesting one. Um, do you th think there's still going to be the same appetite for cruise liners? Cause they were sort of, they've been building, well, just anecdotally, a lot of people talk about doing cruises now. They seem to be very popular or, or before the thing. Do you think it's, it's going to come back to being a very popular thing? It, it will. It's, it's just too ingrained into people. So I, I definitely think Carnival Cruise, um, will survive this, even though they're, stock price just pulling up now to get an idea um in the last month but you know sort of 19th of february 43 dollars and we're down to pre-market in america we're down to 11 dollars 50. wow uh, that's a 75 percent decrease in a month um their <laughs> price earnings ratio of 2.9 jesus <laughs> what's the industry average i wonder um, <clears throat> let me pull up some of my stuff. Uh, yeah, sorry, just out of interest, because there's one instantly you think, geez, that's at a bloody bargain price. Because they're a market leader. Um, oh, yeah. If, if, I mean, if any company is going to survive, it'll be, yeah, I mean, they're in the position to be able to do that. And, and people are cruising in, you know, it's just too... Um, yeah, too ingrained in, in what we do. Yeah, no, no, look, fair enough, like I said... The travel industry, you know, in, in a lot of countries now, it's 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 a, a fundamental part of their economy. You know, I mean, we don't have manufacturing in the way we used to, but tourism has taken over. You look at Australia, tourism is, is huge. Um, and even tours. So I've got the numbers up here. Yeah. Price to earnings for the industry um, is 11. Uh, wow. So we're sitting at 2.9. Um. Wow, that's um, in the hospitality industry, which is um, yeah, very interesting. But the other one is the price to book ratio, uh, and it's sitting at zero point three, uh, which means um, you'd get paid like if the company went broke, and you had to pay out um, you know all the debts and the money you had left over, you had to split between the shareholders. Uh, it looks like you'd potentially get three times your money. As, as a worst case scenario, right? So, well, that yeah, okay. I mean, uh, without looking into it, <clears throat> that it makes sense because that company is a huge amount of assets. Those boats have value in them. 
Um, it, it does. They've got $43 billion in assets. However, mm. I'm not sure what the market is for the resale of cruise ships. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I don't know, but, you know, I know the, you know, the, uh, all the oligarchs and all the billionaires buy used jumbo jets and stuff. And I'm not saying it's a massive market, but I'm, people have enough money out there to do it. And I'm sure there's some oligarch would love to buy a cruiser. But yeah, it's probably not massive. You're right. But that, that's really interesting. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, if we're talking about opportunity, you'd say on paper that ticks all the boxes. And then you ask yourself, like you said, is it going to be around in five years? Well, I think, you you know, you'd be silly to bet against a company of that size and that experience to be around in five years. I don't know how long they've been doing what they do, but it, it must be, you know, cruises have been around for hundreds of years uh, or at least, you know, 150 years um, in any kind of significant way. So if you are betting, I don't think that's a particularly loose bet to put it on, to put it on that, <laughs> you know, put, put even a grand on that. And yeah, you could come out very well if you're saying they, what was the reduction? So they were originally at 40 something dollars per share is that right you get a 75% reduction at the moment yeah so. wow yeah so that that's um that's that's the kind of opportunity out there just just as a matter of interest Phil while we're sort of talking stats because it's always quite helpful to put a bit of context on our discussions um could you just look up Qantas and just see do a similar exercise <laughs> I am all over Qantas stock I made um I made good money about six years ago off Qantas when they went down to the one dollar mark uh, and, and it all came back, and, I, and I'll, I'll do a training video on this, actually. I'll walk you through step-by-step step how I got a 300% return on Qantas. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's back to that thing. It comes back to that book value. Because what book value is, is the actual assets in the company. So you take your assets, you minus your liabilities, and then what you have left over is equity. And then shareholders are paid last. Like this is worst-case scenario yeah. of the company goes under. Uh, yeah. You pay out the shareholders. So if that amount is greater than the um, than the market cap, the worst case scenario, you're going to get a higher rate for your investment back, and that's a that's a strategy Warren Buffett started out with. He'd have money and he'd buy into these companies and he'd sell off their assets and take the take the gain. The the, the downside is uh, that you just don't know how long it's going to take for it to go back up. Yeah. Yep. So you could be kind of in no man's land where they're not broke, but they're not moving forward. Yeah, and uh, definitely. And I think that's the thing. If you just look at the numbers, they tell you one story, but then you also have to look at the reality. So that's, again, Qantas, their flagship carrier. They're going to have a lot of money in, invested in them. You know, Alan Joyce is a very reputable uh, manager, in my view, as oh. long as he's in charge. Um, you know, I, I would have confidence in, in that airline coming back up again. That That's who... That's that's a main decision for backing them, is, is that CEO? Yeah. Absolutely incredible. So I'll give you an idea. Uh, the market cap on the company is 3.7 bill. Yep. Um, let me pull up some stats to see where that lays. It's probably, it's, it'd be getting close to that, um, to book value. Because I think it's roughly, it roughly sits around um, three. Yeah, okay. Um, just give me, give me a minute. Because again, yeah, I mean, you'd expect there to be opportunity with that stock. Um, I haven't seen where they're at now in terms of reduction from the high, but uh, 
3.01 billion um, is their actual uh, equity or their book value. Okay. Their market cap's 3.7, so they are very, very close. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. In terms of what's happened in the last month, um, their peak back in February was about, uh, you know, $6.70, and they're $2.53 today. Yeah. So that's a, okay. a good 56% decline. That's a, a good, yeah. Now, you'd say with, yeah, with Qantas, and again, if we speak outside of the numbers and sort of use a bit of, a bit of common sense or whatever you want to call it, yeah, I mean, I, I get a feel just the history of that company is it's probably a slower burner. I don't think you're going to get the 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 significant or, or the quick increase that other travel-related businesses might be able to deliver. Um, my sense is it is a longer burn, but the point is, you know, you want to have a mix of stocks, and I think it's worth having those longer burners. You've spoken before, Phil, about you know having a certain amount of your money in ETFs because that's your kind of safety net. You, you need that, you know. It's not all about throwing money at penny stocks or small cap and open it's you know you have to be a bit, a bit sort of sensible about it so to me that would be an excellent opportunity in the long term again we don't know how long that might take but you're, you're you know you're not really going to lose out massively if you're buying um uh, you know at, at sort of current prices are probably slightly less which i think it'll end up going down to yeah yeah very interesting mm. uh, yeah slow burner i think that's probably you know a three to five year recovery yep Yep. I think so. Again, as long as Joyce is in charge, because um, I think, did, did he take over after the last? Because they were pretty much gone. I mean, were they, were they bailed out? I don't know. There was something happened. There was a, there were, Qantas was kind of on its, not on its last legs, but it was, it was, it was performing very badly. And I think yeah. he sort of took them back up again. So I don't know if that was the last when I, you I bought in. Really. <clears throat> it was It was when I bought in and, um, he just come out and said, we're cutting uh, routes that aren't profitable. We're, um, we're shifting, uh, I think, maintenance overseas, uh, yeah. which is very un-Australian. So a lot of people sold because of that. Cost-effective makes business sense, but um, they didn't like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're cutting unnecessary staff. Uh, so they're three pretty uh, tough decisions. And, yeah. uh, and Australia's got this thing about it. Like, they don't like sharing the wealth across the world we outsource something it's a real negative it's not yeah. seen as savvy or, or a good business decision yeah um, i get you yep it's kind of this stigma that they, they don't want things outsourced they want to keep it australian australian made or mm. uh, which you know we, we can't have both we can't have all the jobs here and still have a minimum wage of 22 dollars an hour oh, which yeah. is like highest in the world um but yeah, so that was um, yeah, that was his decision. Uh, stock went down. Uh, you know, I got in about a dollar twelve, dollar thirteen, or something. Yeah, uh, went down to ninety cents, and then just turned around. Yeah, awesome. No, that's so. That's definitely one that's you know uh, looking at. And again, you know, we're taking examples here, but there's principles to be applied. You're looking at those things, those household names. We've always said that. You know, household names. If you can pick up household names at a at a reduction of seventy five percent that's an opportunity full stop. I mean, you, you know, you're, obviously you can't say you can't lose because you can always lose, but it's very unlikely you're going to end up losing money. You, you more than likely will end up getting a gain and it could be, it could be a significant gain because you just think if we talk about going back and you talk about risk and return, um, the sort of ratios there, if we're talking about 75% reduction, I don't know what that what that sort of reward would be, Phil, but it's going to be huge if you're, if you're buying at a 75% reduction and that stock goes back up to, 
to the price that it was. So um, it, it's looking at really for those headline companies. And they're the ones for me that there's opportunity now. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about Tim Sykes's fucking penny stocks. I mean, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're risking a hell of a lot um, for something that you can actually get a similar gain in in blue chip stocks almost. You know, I mean, it's 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 a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. Why would you throw your money on some random pharmacy company when you can put it into something like Qantas and, you know, or 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 whatever or Carnival Cruises, you know, whatever it is. And get that return. So the next one, just out of interest, Phil, um, I mentioned Hilton uh, because hotels, of course, are another frontline industry in tourism. Um, and I'm just wondering what's sort of happening with them because they must have seen bookings drop dropping significantly. Yeah, another one. Um, you know, start of the month they were kicking around $113. Yep. Uh, down to about $60 pre-market US. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so not quite hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly. Um, yeah. And how does that look against the um, what's their price to earnings and the book value looking like? Yeah, I'll just have a look over the market cap. Still, what's that? Eighteen bill, um, <laughs> which is making one of the biggest companies in Australia. Uh, yeah, I know. When you look at that against Qantas, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's that? you know, again, we're, we're we're like this is this is easy pickings. You know, we're we're just we're picking. We're not getting into you know looking at the mid level or the 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 uppity upstart. We're just looking at those companies that have delivered over a huge amount of time that we know can deliver that have the infrastructure, have the assets have all of that stuff built in so that they can, you know, as things turn around, which they will, they're, they're the companies that take best advantage because they've got the ability to do that. So, yeah. And, and that's the key right now is, is it's not getting caught up in those little stocks that may or may not make it. They work well in a bull market. Mm. Um, you, you'll see a lot of stuff posted in Facebook groups about this company that's got exposure to Corona cures or test kits <laughs> or anything. Uh, if you're going to do it, keep it. Keep it manageable. Ten percent of your investment portfolio. I would yeah, say. that's right. I'm with you on that. I just the same risk applies now that it has before, um, except the difference is b- because of the type of market we're in, the risk has shifted with with blue chip stocks. So they would have been sorry. The the reward has shifted. So there's a much greater reward now from investing in you know a, a certain number of uh, very highly reputable stocks. Sure, the same reward is probably there in your penny stocks and your small cap and all that. But why yeah, why would you put your money in those when you could end up losing it all? Uh, when yeah, you know, I've said it before, but it's just it's a really important point to make to people. And it is that mindset thing. You know, don't get caught up by those Instagram posts where a guy's like, Yeah, I just made a thousand percent on this stock. Uh, you know, but they, they may have, but they, they might also have lost a hell of a lot more than that. So uh, you know, I definitely, yeah, I, I wouldn't be getting lured by all of that because there's a huge amount of shit on social media now with the market doing what it's doing. Um, you know, we, we're trying to cut through all of that um, with just kind of sensible knowledge. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of what we talk about, people go, oh, no, why would you bother doing that? That's old school. But we're like, well, no, it works. You know what I mean? That's the point. What we're teaching actually works. It's a Well, they're not our rules. They're just based off the, the best in the world that have been doing it for 50 years. Bang on. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. They're not, that's right. They're not some guy who's, who's rented a Lamborghini for the day, taking a couple of photos, is telling you that 
invest in this new cryptocurrency and you'll be, you know. So that's right. Like, exactly. We're just repeating what people have used to make a vast sum of money. That's exactly what we're doing. So how does Hilton then? Hilton's concerning. I don't know if they have... I don't think they've got any equity. Huh? I think their liabilities may be the same as their assets. Really? I thought they owned all their hotels. Yeah, but they, they, they can own their hotels, but they still have debt. And, yeah. Wow. Well, okay, What? Or so what does that mean? They're obviously going to be smashed. Well, they're going to be smashed, I suppose. Isn't that what that's telling us? Like, touch it. Just yeah, don't touch it. If the economy drops, like, until they sort their shit out, so they'd have to sell off a rake of their hotels. Actually, I don't know what their model is. I don't know if they own the hotels or if they lease them. Um, they're possibly just like a name brand now. Well, you, you know? know what happens with that um, is they'll lease the hotel. Yeah, okay. They'll pay to, to lease it off someone. So I don't know. That's generally how hotels do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. But the, the wow. concern here is they've got a bit of debt, uh, which is fine when, they're, when the interest rates are so low. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not sure that their um, cash flow will cover it now because that's how you base it on. You take on debt when interest rates low. If you've got a lot of cash flow coming in, um, then that's fine. But I think these guys are going to take, well, they are going to take a hit to their cash flow. Really and that's going to be a problem servicing their uh, their debt. Well, do they, do they have any, do you know if they have any um, cash reserves? Well, well, they've got cash, but they don't have in comparison. Enough. So the yeah. cash... Cash and short-term investments and liquidity is at uh, 538 million US. Oh. Uh, the debt 7.7 bill. Uh, <laughs> other liabilities is 7.7 bill. So okay, so so they probably have enough to pay for about a day, a day's <laughs> worth of operating costs, basically. I mean, you know, or whatever, a couple of days. Wow, that's really interesting. So maybe we'll see, we'll see, you know, either a massive cutback in their operations or. You know, I, I don't know. That's really interesting. That seems very odd to me. Like, I'm just trying to get my head around. And this is, you know, this needs a further dive. We, we won't be doing it here. But, um, well, you, you know. Quickly jump. The, you've got me started now. I'm going to jump yeah. in Marriott. Okay. Marriott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just see as a comparison. Yep, yep. Because they're another international brand. Because that, to me, there'd be opportunities there. But maybe maybe um, hotels are so debt laden. Their model is debt. I don't That's know. Yeah. yeah. That they're not. They'll never be a good investment. Um, I don't free cash flow because the other areas. So you've got your your sort of travel type companies, and then obviously, um, and we probably won't have, unfortunately have a huge amount of time to talk about the uh, the the brokers or the travel agents now. But we've spoken before about Booking.com. Um, we actually did a did we do a podcast? I think on on uh, or, or we did a Facebook Live on. Uh, the, the, the sort of different types of uh, travel agencies that are out there. Um, so there's everything from Skyscanner to Booking.com to, uh, to Airbnb. All of those as well must be seeing hits. Um, well, and so, you know, that to me is definitely worth looking at. Airbnb obviously isn't isn't public, so they, I'm guessing, won't be. Oh, there was talk of, yeah, them launching this year. and I'd be over. Talk, Clearly that's not going to happen. So, yeah, uh, although it would be awesome if it did because you'd get it at a disgustingly low price. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, where does Booking.com sit? Where does um, – uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the couple of other ones, but there is a couple of those main yeah. 
Um, so I just don't think to, to marry it. Oh, yeah. Uh, just quickly. Uh, they've got about 700 mil equity. Okay. Uh, so that's after they've, they've, they've paid down um, debt. But yep. the cash holdings and equivalents about, uh, what are we looking at here? About 225 mil in cash. Okay. So less cash, but they've got more uh, liquidity, more more assets. So Hilton, okay. uh, interesting, not not looking great. Would not no Hilton Hilton keep away from the sounds of it. I mean, yeah, if if that turns out to be, I mean, there, there's going to have to be closures in some of these hotels. I just can't, you know, in the boom times they do great, but they, they shut up shop when when things go bad. So yeah, I just can't imagine them keeping all of those hotels afloat, particularly Hilton. If the if the if the the numbers are are so bad, uh, so look, you know, th- there's pluses and minuses there. I think uh, we'll probably just start to wrap up now. Um, you know, I think the key message here is pretty simple. It's it is looking about market leaders. Um, it's it's also undertaking the analysis. And Phil, um, <clears throat> you've talked about book value um, and you've talked about price to earnings. Um, you probably just want to have a bit of a chat about the 28-day bootcamp because, yeah, people may not know what we're doing uh, with that. Yeah, so we're running a 28-day value investing bootcamp. Um, it's something that we've put together given the current market because the value investing techniques work now. Uh, we've seen the Warren Buffett quotes and posts and memes and everything for the last 10 years. Well, now it's time to start doing that and putting that into place. Um, they don't make sense in a growth market, but right now, um, following that step-by-step value investing approach is what we're going to be doing in our 28-day uh, value investing boot camp. Uh, so the way that it works is is um, you get four weeks worth of content. Uh, we have a private Facebook group, and I'm going to go in there and do lives a few times a week, uh, answer your questions around different topics, talk about different stocks, um, get into detail and find out where the opportunity is and do some coaching as well to help um, clarify some of those terms. So it's $97 for the, um, for the 28 days. Uh, you do get 12 months access to the videos. Um, so if you're a bit uh, flat out for the next 28 days, uh, that's cool. You can kind of chime in here and there, but you'll get 12 months to watch those training videos um, if, you're, if you're a bit busy. So uh, you can join that at cheekyinvestor.com forward slash value investing. Um, and yeah, that'll, that'll kick off and, um, yeah, come join if you want to learn how to find the best opportunities in the market right now. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So we've already got lots of people signed up. And what I'd say is when you listen to this podcast, we'll have launched it um, on the 22nd of March. So if you're fresh to listening to this, you still have an opportunity to sign up. Obviously, if you're listening to this in April, May, June, July, it's, it's gone. But we we will be running up up till the 29th, I think will still be available to people. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Cool. So, what basically the message is: get in, and if you've got value from this podcast, if you feel that uh, you're beginning to learn a little bit, but you don't really understand exactly what's going on uh, and why we're confidently saying look at this and don't look at that, um, this is the opportunity to grab in. It's a really hands-on, interactive training. So, it's, we're not just going to leave you to it. We're there all the time to have a chat. Myself and Phil, Phil mainly, and um, like Phil says, he's going to hop on to. Uh, to have a chat through Facebook Lives. Um, we're obviously available all the time on Messenger like we are now. We always chat to people. So the point of this is we want you, by the end of it, to be able to invest, and that's what you're going to be able to do. This isn't one where it's some great, you know, great grand idea. We're actually saying we want to turn you into a value investor, and we will by the end of the boot camp. So any interest, um, as Phil says, cheekyinvestor.com forward slash, is it value investing? 
uh, value investing, yeah. Value investing. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast as well. So there, that's even easier. You'll see it down there. So look, uh, thank you all so much. Um, these podcasts are always a bit interesting at the moment because there's such madness in the market. So we're literally coming up with things to talk about an hour or two before because something comes through on the newswire or whatever <laughs> it is. So thank you so much for listening. And um, we were getting some really positive messages from people saying, oh, lo- love your podcast. You know, a couple of people have listened to episodes over and over again, which is a bit weird now and again. And look, you know, we, we, we obviously try to get value. If you guys want to talk about anything particular, if there's a particular part of the current market situation or, what, or a, a, a particular type of investing, just send us a message, get onto our Facebook page, Tiki Investor, tell us what you want to do. We've already got a couple of requests that we've done and it makes it really interesting for us because we know then people are actually interested in this topic. So as always, thank you very much for listening and uh, yeah, we'll uh, check you out next time.